Father, would you be with us as we read and as, as I preach your word? Would you uh, open our eyes to the beauty of Jesus Christ and the free grace that you've given us in him? Father, um, convict us, draw us close to you as we hear your word this, this evening. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> Well, Isaiah 55 has meant a lot to me over the years. It marks my entrance into seminary, uh, where I trained to be a pastor out in California. Before embarking on um, my NDIV, the students, our, the students that I, uh, in the class I was a part of, we were required to preach a short five-minute sermonette uh, in front of both of the preaching professors at Westminster. And if you failed to do this to their standard, you were required to take a public speaking class, learning the basics of how to speak in front of people. Well, I desperately wanted to do well, so I didn't have to spend the semester taking a public speaking class. I really didn't want to do that. You see, preaching just seems so daunting. It still is daunting, especially for an introvert like me. But I figured I'd do my best, and we'll see what happens. And I was, as I was thinking about what text to use, Isaiah 55 jumped out at me. It uses the metaphor of a marketplace to explain how the salvation that God offers is a gift that cannot be bought or earned. And as I thought about how in the world I could possibly enter into a profession where I was supposed to stand up in front of large crowds large groups of people to deliver a message week after week, I knew I would have to be personally affected by the message I was going to bring. And the most life-changing aspect of the gospel for me is the fact that God's forgiving, pardoning, rescuing grace is completely free. And the reason it's free for us is that there was an unimaginable cost endured the death of his only son, our Lord. So as, as we have Isaiah 55 in front of us tonight, I want to just look at three truths to draw out of this, this wonderful chapter. The first is that everyone needs life. Second, before God, everyone is broke. And thirdly, everyone needs to be satisfied. So first, everyone needs life. Everyone needs life. Look at the first verse Come, everyone who thirsts. Isaiah is comparing our need for God to our need for water and bread. It's a matter of survival. I'm reminded of Jesus and the woman at the well in John 4, when he tells her that everyone who drinks of this water that you're drawing out of the well is going to be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. Jesus is talking about a thirst for God, uh, to know him, to commune with him. So, so I ask you, what's the one thing you desire? Everyone has something they deeply, deeply want. What do you crave? Is it to be famous? Is it to be rich? Is it to be comfortable? What Isaiah 55 is telling us is, is God is the answer to your deepest craving and desire. He is what you need most. And look again at verse 1. Come, buy, and eat. What that means is it's accessible right now. It's not hidden somewhere. It's available. It's available. 
So how do we get it? How do we get this food? And how much does it cost? Well, that's our second main truth, that before God, everyone is broke. We have no money to offer that would do any good. It says, he who has no money can, can have this bread. Paul writes in Ephesians 2, For by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. We're told to buy without money and without price. And many times in our lives, throughout our lives, we try and buy salvation, don't we? We try to buy salvation through our good works and our, and our good deeds. We say to ourselves, if I could just earn his favor by um, doing this good deed, being a part of this good organization. Or we try to buy salvation by self-punishment and shame. If I just feel bad enough for what I did yesterday, then he'll accept me. Friends, what God offers, you can't purchase. You just have to receive. Why? Because it's a gift. A few years back, Hannah and I, my wife, went to uh, the great seafood buffet, Captain George's. I know everybody loves Captain George's. It was, we were going down to the Outer Banks, and we were going to a marriage retreat after we ate at Captain George's um, that our church was doing on the Outer Banks one weekend. And we had a delicious dinner. We had oysters. We had, of course, we had crab legs. Sorry for you guys who don't eat seafood. I feel really bad for you. Um, we had a wonderful dinner, wonderful date night. Uh, it was great. And, and, and just as we're about to receive the bill and ask the waiter for the bill, she comes to us and she says, do you know that couple that was sitting like two, two seats over, you know, they left a little while ago. Well, they paid for your meal. And as you guys know, Captain George's is not a cheap dinner. And, and we were like, excuse me? Are, are you serious? At the time, Hannah was pregnant. And so, you know, our, her emotions uh, <clears throat> are all over the place and she's crying and I'm about to cry. We're just so thankful. And you know, there was nothing we could do to pay that bill at that moment. It had already been paid. It was, it was done. I couldn't go back to the kitchen and say, you know what, I'll just do some dishwashing and we'll figure this out. Um, I couldn't argue over it. Nothing would have changed the fact that that debt that we owed the restaurant had been paid. It was done. It was settled. We couldn't do anything to change it. Friends, you'll totally miss what Jesus Christ is all about until you understand one very important truth. Christianity is about beholding, not behaving. If, it, if to be a Christian meant that I'm just better at behaving than everyone around me, I don't really want anything to do with that. No thanks. And if to be a pastor meant that I've climbed the mountain of good behavior and have reached the summit of Mount Morality, then I'll just resign right now before I even get started. <laughs> Why? Because sorry to break it to you, church, but you've hired a wretched sinner who needs grace and forgiveness, not occasionally, but every day. I need someone who is good in my place, whose goodness God accepts in exchange for my badness. Is that possible? Yes. Jesus did that work. All who look to him in faith can confidently say, he paid my debt, I'm accepted because of him. It's called the great exchange, that Jesus lived this perfect life that I should have lived. He died the death I should have died. He received God's wrath that should have been poured out on me 
and instead his perfect life is applied to me so that when God looks at me, he sees none of my sin and he sees all of Christ's righteousness. He takes our sin, gives us his righteousness. Before God, we're broke, but perfectly positioned to receive and behold his grace in Christ. Last truth. Everyone needs to be satisfied. It says, listen diligently to me. Eat what is good. Delight yourselves in rich food. Do you see salvation that is offered, that God offers, isn't just sufficient. It's lavish. It's, it is, it's what will satisfy us. And isn't it true that a lack of satisfaction in life leads to a miserable existence? If you're not satisfied, you'll be miserable. We see in verse 12, you shall go out in joy and be led forth in peace. I know there's some in this room tonight who are trying to find satisfaction in things that won't satisfy because you were made for so much more. As C.S. Lewis reminded us, like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he can't imagine what is meant by an offer of a holiday at the sea, we're far too easily pleased by the world around us. And so the bold claim of Isaiah 55 is that you will only find true satisfaction in God and nothing else. Verse 3 says, Incline your ear and come to me. Hear that your soul may live. Seek the Lord, verse 6 and 7. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he's near. Let the wicked forsake his way, the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord. Why? So that he might have compassion on him and to our God, and he will abundantly pardon. And so when you come to Christ and you trust in him and you repent of your sin, you will be changed. True saving faith must include repentance, turning away from our sinful ways, which is a part of the fruit and the good work of saving faith that Jesus produces. So in closing, let me just say this. The pastor, the pastor's main job is to bring the words of Christ to you. If, if um, Whatever church you're a part of, I want you to know that. Your pastor's main job is to bring the words of Christ to you. Luther once said, those who are to preach must know that they are not preaching by their own authority, but by the command of God. Donovan Riley said, the preacher is not sent to scold or to shame the congregation into good behavior, but rather to announce the message of hope and forgiveness that is found in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So I would ask you to do this. Pray for me. Pray for me to preach the free grace of the gospel and the satisfying life of joy, repentance, and obedience that it produces. It is a gift. But it's a gift that must be accepted and believed and embraced. When Hannah and I left that restaurant that night, we were in awe of the great gift we had been given that that couple gave us freely. And it changed us. It made us more thankful. That is a a, a small analogy of how the gospel empowers and changes you. It humbles you. It causes you to be thankful and ready to live for God, all because of the free gift of grace and the work of Christ Jesus, our Lord. Let's pray together. Father, I pray that that would be our heartbeat.
that we would know nothing but the free gift that you provided us, that we have not earned. And we can't do anything, Father, to earn it. But it's all given from your free grace and the punishment that Jesus took in our place. So, Father, I pray that if there's any here tonight that do not know that truth, that you would work in their heart, open their eyes, and draw them to yourself. And Father, bless me as I continue to pastor. Would that be my main goal? To preach Christ. And I pray our church would, would see that as its main hope. In Jesus' name, amen.